And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we got Emory Glove Company sales coordinator, Mike Olshin. Emory Glove Company founder, Kevin Schneider here on the JKR Podcast. Mike, guys, I know we've been kind of working on this for a little bit. I've been really excited to be digging into your guys' company, everything you guys got going on. I've been doing some research the last couple of days. Look like you guys have uh, have built something pretty special here the past, uh, you know, however long it's been. But again, you know, super pumped to get both you guys here on the podcast. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm doing great, man. Appreciate you having us on. This is uh, excited to talk about. It. Yeah, Jay, it's awesome. Thank you for uh, having us. Certainly, have enjoyed hearing your stuff in the in the past. A lot of guys that I'm familiar with, so uh, certainly happy to to be here with you. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it, guys. But uh, you know, before we do dig into, I guess I do want to dig into your guys' baseball upbringing here today, and then obviously we'll kind of dig into the Emory Glove side. But before we do dig into that, we kind of got to let the listeners know who exactly you guys are. So. For those who don't know you, how would you guys introduce yourselves? Who exactly is Mike Olshin? Who exactly is Kevin Schneider? I'm gonna let Kevin go first with that because he's much more much more interesting than I am. I was gonna let's say let age before beauty, but uh, <laughs> um, so I would say uh, baseball lifer, right? I'm I'm a Jersey guy. Uh, went to Lawrence High School. Um, baseball has kind of impacted my life every every aspect from from a young kid to to today uh, I pitched at Monmouth University um, I was a closer there and then as soon as I was done playing I got right into coaching um, I've owned three baseball academies and, and travel teams uh, one in Hamilton New Jersey with Dave Gallagher one in uh, <clears throat> South Philadelphia <clears throat> um, when I was a head high school coach at Newman Gritty after that, I went on became a head college coach at Immaculata University. Uh, and then throughout all this, I've had this this pizzazz, uh, passion for for gloves and and design. Um, and, and that's what kind of led me on my journey to to the glove company while I was still coaching and then to the glove company full full time as I uh, resigned from coaching in, in 2021. So baseball lifer um, and uh, design guy, I, I think my. My business card says founder, uh, comma, 
awesome creative baseball guy. And 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 Mike's says sales coordinator, comma, the brains of the operation. So well, that should probably tell you what you need to know about our operation, I guess. But um actually it's it, it's funny, a lot of similarities to to Kevin's story, um, as far as the baseball life part of it, but you know, the the paths diverged, you know, after high school because I certainly wasn't close to being a good enough player to to play in college. Um, certainly wasn't close to being a good enough player to to play at Northwestern where I went to college, um, you know, and, and play at a P5 school. That was, uh, although they didn't have the label way back in the 1990s, but but certainly wasn't going to happen. But but I was good enough to to go down the the writing path um, at that point. And, uh, you know, a really cool time when you, you know, think back to, to some of the people who were, were there. Um, you know, my first sports editor was J.A. Adonde, who did, who did a lot of incredible things in the industry. Um, my first, uh, beat partner was Rachel Nichols, who obviously has gone on to do, you know, the sports center, the CNN, a lot of things. My, my, you know, and and other guys, uh, Ben Bolch, who who's written for the the Los Angeles Times for for twenty plus years, Sean Keeler, who's a lead columnist out in Denver right now, you know. So so just uh, you know, they, Northwestern has a reputation for being a great journalism school, extremely valid, um, and so I was able to take that path to to realize my major league dream in in mid two thousands. Uh, covering the the Phillies right before they had their run of of great teams. Um, you know, they were in the middle of a run of good teams, but but yeah, I got to cover the game at at all different levels. You know, at at at, at the paper where I worked, from from little league to the majors. Um, my coaching career started sort of like Kevin's right after his playing career, which uh, you know again was a lot earlier. I mean, the game always has a funny way of telling you when it's time to move on. Um, but, but fortunate to do a lot of winning, um, have some great teams in there, um, you know, build a, a, a that led into building teams, um, you know, taking a, a team to, to the American Legion World Series. Um, and so it's kind of all these paths and then uh, being able to, to reconnect with Kevin um, to, to hopefully add some value on the, on the, the glove side. And again, filling a lot of the, the gaps as far as uh, production and, and things has been has been special at, at this point in my career. Okay, so you guys both call yourselves, you know, baseball lifers. You know, Kevin went on to there to you know coach a couple of different academies, high school, coached college stuff. You know, Mike, as you're going ahead being a writer, coaching there as well. I guess you know as your guys' playing careers are maybe coming to an end, getting closer and closer to maybe that next step in life. What was that transition for you guys going from? playing to coaching again, Mike, from you going from, you know, the writing side as well, take us through that transition. Would you realize that, you know, maybe that was your next step within the baseball world. Um, kind of take us through that transition and maybe some of the biggest lessons you guys learned within those next steps of your baseball career after the playing days were over. Well, well, it was easy for me because, you know, again, my, I wasn't very good to play beyond the level I did, you know, it, it, I was happy to, um, you know, find another path within the game and 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 show my love for it in different ways. But, you know, certainly uh, uh, patience, organization, um, you know, those are things I, I struggle with all the time. But communication, you know, being able to, to get your points across, um, you know, stay organized. Um, you know, those are all things that, that have helped me in whatever that I, you know, that I did. And I think kind of transcend baseball. But but the the classroom of, you know, just just helping guys who were, you know, in a, in a position that, that I was in at one point to to find their way. And, and I think Kevin will probably tell you the same, that that's really where the most important thing is. Yeah, I mean, for me, everything's about relationships, you know, like I, I look at baseball. I don't want to be dramatic about it, but like it, it's done so much for me. Baseball got me through high school. Baseball literally got me into college. Um, Dean E. Hall, who, who's the head head coach at Monmouth University, was my head coach when I was there. And you know, I remember he had to you know walk my application down to to the to the admissions office and basically say, "Do me a favor," or however he had to say it back then. 
Um, and then baseball got me through college. You know, we, we had study hall for years. We had coaches checking in on our classes. Um, so I have such a respect for, for what it did and the lessons it taught me failures and, um, how to succeed, how to fail, how, how to, how to get better. So that desire to kind of share my, my journey a little bit and my knowledge to other people was always there. Um, I have two older brothers, one, one that's a coach as well. And then getting, to, getting into coaching itself was really, I, I said it was pitching first because I, I was a pitcher in my life. I was a closer and I was, I was good. I was an all American closer. Um, and I was kind of curious about pitching. My arm started to implode towards the end of my career. And I was curious. Um, and that's one of the best things I always say is to actually be curious about something and try to figure something out on your own, not what other people say, but but on your own was a huge part for me. So I became curious about the pitching mechanics. I became curious about the body and anatomy and why my arm um, did, you know, get hurt or tear or, or break in the certain times. So I started studying pitching and that led to me coaching really young. Um, and I just found like authentically sharing my thought process is not as like, Hey, this is the Bible. And, and, and that's one, one thing that I kind of have a little bit of an issue with today. I feel like everybody has such a right and wrong way to do it. And you have to keep the humility of there's a million ways to do it. It has to work for that individual person. Um, so just getting into creating some of my own beliefs and sharing those with guys got it started quickly, you know, and I've had the uh, fortunate chance to work with a lot of, a lot of pro guys and I love the guys I've, that I've, you know, sort of working with when they're young and seen them kind of take their journey. And um, so it's really just curiosity and wanting to figure out, I guess what I did right, what I did wrong for my own reasons, not what, what other people told me, but what my findings were. And that just took off from there. Okay. So one last thing I do want to dig into before, you know, we actually talk about Emory Glove Company, the reason we guys, uh, you know, we got connected. So Mike, kind of give you a little spotlight here. I know you got, again, Jersey Baseball Nation going on. I know you own a couple, you know, collegiate summer leagues. Again, kind of give you the floor here. Kind of give us the rundown, maybe the elevator, kind of what's what's going on there beyond Emory Glove Company for you when it comes to, you know, Jersey Baseball Nation and, you know, some of those collegiate summer leagues that you're running. Yeah. So, um. I left the the corporate world, I guess, right after COVID, and and really, you know, you get to a point in in your life. I don't want to call it a midlife crisis because you know that's way over exaggerated. But but I really wanted to uh, give back and and kind of get into the, the the storytelling that that I had done. You know, up until I was writing was a great job up until mid to late two thousands. Anybody who's alert knows what's happened in newspapers in the last 15 years. And, and, you know, I, I got married, um, wanted to, uh, you know, find a job that was more conducive to, to raising a family than being out till two o'clock in the morning, covering games, you know, get a day job for lack of a better way to put it, did the corporate grind for, for 10, 15, 15 years. Um, and and really want to give this one last shot. So so JBN the, the Jersey Baseball Nation stuff is really just a, a more modern and and boy did it require a lot of uh, learning to get to adequate in skills um, platform to uh, to highlight you know the high school and college players in New Jersey, um, which there are you know it's an incredibly underrated state as far as producing talent. You're probably aware of that, and and your listeners are too. Um, but to to highlight, you know, not just the the guys who are, I mean, look, you got youth prospects, you got PBRs, you got the perfect games of the world that are doing. I can't do what they do as far as social media is concerned with their production values and stuff like that. Um, so it's not just the the guys who are already highlighted a lot, but but also guys who are, you know. Uh, want to get a chance to play at D3, you know, just want to get a chance. Um, you know, the guys who are out there grinding every day in, in, in high school. So, you know, do I always every day achieve those goals? I mean, you know, how many people are truly aligned with everything they want to do all the time. But when I, when I remember that core mission, I think is when, when I put out the best stuff. 
Um, you know, the summer teams, um, again, that goes back to my writing days. Um, when I started writing 1991, um, one of my, my first summer job uh, was up in Quakertown, Pennsylvania. And they had a team in the Atlantic Collegiate Baseball League, the Quakertown Blazers, which was kind of like a flagship team in the league. I got attached to ACBL baseball at that point. Trenton got a team in 2012. You know, again, I, I, my career kind of going off on other paths, but, you know, was aware of that. Um, Kevin was involved with that that team, not necessarily in year one, I don't think, but early on as as a coach, was a coach on their first championship team in 2014. And then that league kind of fell apart really. I mean, not league, that, that team kind of fell apart real quick, kind of went down a dark road. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to, to get in at the, probably the low point 20 after the 2018 season. Um, you know, it just, uh, it, things happen. And, and so I got to, you know, it mattered to me to get back in, um, Kevin was was one of my first calls to to get involved as as a coach. Um, twenty nineteen was kind of our rebuilding, you know, get back into to good graces as far as how we run things year. Um, twenty twenty when COVID hit, you know, the world shut down at that point, and mid to late May, early you know the league decided to cancel for the season and we had all these guys, great players who had nothing to do. You know, they, they, they couldn't play anywhere. Couldn't barely leave the house. And so kind of spur of the moment, one of those guys, you know, in, in contact, it just kind of clicked something with me. And we, we threw together a, a pickup league, uh, a Sandlot league in, in about two weeks and got over a hundred guys to play. And, it was probably one of the coolest things that I've ever gotten to do in the game because you had guys who were like the local Juco players. And then we, and then we had the other end of it. I think like now six guys, seven guys from that league were, have been drafted um, or played professionally. Um, and so we were ton of P five guys as well. And they all mixed together and it was the coolest thing. And, and, and it was just like, they just went and played. Um, but ever since then, I've, I've had multiple teams, um, you know, that was kind of the cause of it. Now this year, um, we, we've started a new league. I've got an entire division of myself and it's really cool to give 120 guys the chance to do something productive and, and play in a competitive college league in the summer. And that's, you know, if that's kind of like my mission then that's, that's a cool thing to get to, to, to be involved with. And I'll help you lead into Emory gloves. We got 120 guys who were, uh, you know, on an Emory glove deal for the summer and, uh, you know, get, get, uh, get gloves with, uh, with their, with their contract. So it'll be, it'll be a fun year. Yeah. For Yo, sure. Real quick. I get, I got to say something about the Sandlot league though, because I was involved with that with Mike. That was one of the coolest things ever that, that I've ever done. You know, I've, I've won a state championship in high school. I've won Cooperstown dreams park a couple of times as head college coach. That was so cool for, for a couple of reasons. The first thing was when you are a college baseball coach, you know, like Michael, like me, you realize summer ball is hard, right? Like summer ball is really hard because everyone's coming off of their spring seasons. Baseball is crazy. Baseball, you play fall ball. You go home for the winter. You're supposed to train all winter long. If you want to start, you want to make the team and you, you know, you lift all year, you do all this stuff. Then you start your, your season, which is 40 to 60 games. And then you're like, okay, you're, you're spent. Everybody's home from school. You're like, okay, now I got to go play college baseball, either at home or I got to go away. So it's really hard, right? I've, I've always said, man, if I'm not a guy who was going to the Cape or something like that, how do I find the passion and desire to go play? And what you started to realize is guys were almost doing it because their coaches wanted them to do it. And, and they start off and they kind of fall off through, through the rest of the summer because they'd rather be at the beach, and I wish I get, right? <laughs> But yeah. this, 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 the world was shut down. So the dudes that were playing in the Sandlot League, and we played all the games at, at the turf field at Mercer County Community College, they were there because they wanted to be there, right? They were there because they wanted to get after it and be there. So the mixture was, like Mike said, what, what was a power five guy like Connor Stain, who was at Maryland at the time, who, who got drafted in the fifth round out of UCF, who was throwing 96. 
against a D3 All-American and they're grinding it out and they're, you know, talking shit to each other and everything else like that. And, and, and it was awesome. And then, you know, I had a guy like, like a Tyler Raz who was at Alabama in the SEC come and, and, and throw against, uh, you know, a high school guy who was going to Vandy or, you know what I mean? Like it was just so awesome where you knew they were there because they wanted to be there, not because anyone forced them to be there. And then it also showed how level the playing field is for baseball, right? Like I, I was always said, like, I've coached some really high level guys. The first division three baseball game that I ever watched in its entirety was the one that I was the head coach of in 2017. I was blown away with how good my players were and how good our opponents were, especially some of the better programs. I was like, Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta go to work here. This is it. These guys are legit. So that's one thing I got to say about, about Sam. I ended up coaching, you know, division three for, for five years, but anybody who doesn't understand how good all college baseball is, is stupid. And needs to go out and watch, you know, an NJAC game at TCNJ or Keene or, or, or whatever it is and see how good these dudes really are. Yeah. So as, you know, as we make that transition to Emory Glove Company, obviously from the sound of it, it sounds like you guys have been connected for quite a while, you know, have come across each other within, you know, the collegiate baseball ranks, summer baseball ranks, whatever. It's going to yeah, take Kevin was Kevin was a pitcher in, in, in high school when I first saw him, first covered, um, you know, his games. I actually knew his brother, his oldest brother before before him and 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 was a basketball player so that's kind of where it, it it starts um or started and then and then obviously john his uh is his middle brother is the the manager of the uh the blue jays now so i i got to cover them all in 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 high school um you know and then obviously it's kind of paralleled paths or or you know all, off and on between them but that that certainly has added to it too yeah, for sure. And you know, I do want to dig into, you know, how exactly you got connected to Emory Glove Company. But before we do do that, Kevin, I want to kind of go through, throw it back there to the beginning. So as you're going through your coaching career, I guess at what point, I know I know you talked earlier that, you know, you've always had the passions for glove, you know, being a pitcher, stuff like that. But where did that kind of idea kind of come, come from to maybe start a glove company? What was maybe some of those initial steps? Kind of take us through that beginning when it came to actually starting this glove company and where that idea came from. Yeah, man. Um, you know, it's definitely a long journey. I don't think anyone can just wake up and say they want to do it um, because there's so much that goes into it. So I think I started as as like a self-proclaimed like glove head. You know, I think a lot of pitchers are like that. Um, I remember I got I got my first glove from from Japan. I still don't even know how I got it You know, through like my parents dial up Internet in like 2000 because uh, I wanted a red glove and with my name on it, stuff like that. Um, and then when I was in college, my brother John was a minor league player at the time. So he had a couple glove deals. So I would kind of get a glove a year from him, um, you know, custom and, and get to compare them and whatnot. And then that always, that always was there throughout the baseball academies, throughout high school coaching. I had worked with so many, you know, different gloves and, and uh, some brands would reach out and, and I would start to learn more and more. And then in 2018, when I was a, uh, a head coach at Immaculata, we, we signed a, we didn't sign, but we got a glove deal with a brand. And to be honest with you, I was like really disappointed in the, in the, in the gloves. And that was kind of like, I was like, uh, I, I feel like I can do this better. Right. And, and, and that's, and that's a, you don't want to say that because, you know, it lacks humility, but that's where the journey of manufacturing my own started. Um, finding out more about leather and manufacturers and how they're actually made itself. What goes into the internals of the glove what makes the glove good, what makes it soft, what makes it stiff. And you can really only figure that out by trial and error and research. And, and, and that's kind of where the pursuit mastery came, came from. It was, you know, the respect of what the, the art form of a glove is, you know, you have to respect it and the people and craftsmen that have came before you and done all this stuff. Um, so in 2018, like, like I started manufacturing my gloves, you know, one at a time on my own for years. Um, my brother was a manager in double A. I had some good test dummies with guys that I coached and guys that he coached. He had 
Bo Bichette and Vladdy Jr. and uh, Lourdes Gurriel and Kevin Biggio and all these guys. So did that for about three years of just manufacturing and test and test. And this is good. This is crap. This is good. This is crap. And then um, once I finally felt, I was like, man, like this is, this is good. You know, I, this product is legit. I'd feel comfortable talking to a, you know, a big league guy and saying, Hey, here's why you should use this and, and, and why um, it led to the the first sale. I want to say it was in like 2021. And then uh, it's, it's taken off from there been able to you know work with uh some really great guys and grow the business and here we are today okay so you know from 2018 to uh, you said 2020 or 2021 when you're kind of going through and you're having all these test dummies kind of go through and you know see what's good about a glove what's bad about a glove i'm sure you maybe had some failed experiment experience experiments there as well I guess at what point do you decide to, you know what, I think I'm at the point now to where I have, you know, pursued mastery and, uh, you know, it's time to maybe start a glove company. I guess at what point was that? And I guess what was the next steps after you made that decision to actually get started with the company? Yeah. And like the the, the mastery stuff, I, part of that is is like you can never actually, I mean, for me, you can never actually achieve it. And, and that's what... Um, that's what is kind of the respect of as far as the the glove world goes. Um, for me, with a lot of the research, I had a lot of ties to to Japan and 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 things like that. And that same type of belief about pursuing mastery has left it with samurai and and all that stuff that uh, that I I really enjoy studying. Um, so it's kind of just the the desire to constantly research something you're passionate about. That's what that means to me. Um, but once once enough people had felt it and, and felt the gloves and and felt the the product and kind of heard what we were about and we started to sell some and people wanted more and more i was like you know what? i think i really got something here I, I had my my oldest brother help me out on some of the pure business side of things my oldest brother matt was my partner um whether it was the website or wording or um a lot of the legal stuff that goes into you know llc's and companies and and all the back end stuff we have to do when you when you own a company um was all was all done and taken care of and i don't know you kind of just you kind of just felt it a little bit I, honestly i kind of just felt it a little bit you know a little bit of the bet on yourself thing a little bit of kind of the the, the, the burn the boats um you know gonna make this work one way or the other um that's where some of the best things happen when you burn the boats your back's against the wall a little bit and I liked, I liked that. I liked the challenge. I liked it. Honestly, some of the, the, the bigger people in the industry from some of the biggest companies in the world, who I talked to over the years told me how hard it was. And they basically said like, Hey, this, you're not gonna be able to do this. And I was like, you know, you, you clearly don't know me then because I'm going to do it. And the fact that you just said that, I, I, I love that you said that. So I just, I, it just felt it, you know, I, I knew the quality was there and, um, and then there's just the brand itself, which is always, Mike always makes fun of me because I always talk about like the vibe and like the feel and, and stuff like that. And, and, and people were into it and uh, the style and fashion of it. So the quality was there and also had a little bit of a cool factor, I think. Okay. All right. So you bring up the brand there. That's always something I always like talking about, you know, whatever company I get on the show, I always like kind of digging into, you know, behind the scenes there when it came to the branding process, the naming process, you know, Emory Glove Company, you know, what's Emory stand for? I know when it comes to your guys' logo, there's three lines there, which means quite a bit of things within the game of baseball. And again, you talk about pursue mastery. Um, kind of take us through, I guess, when it comes to the naming and the maybe the branding process with the logo, kind of give us behind the scenes looks of, you know, kind of what went on there. Yeah, the, the the name the name Embry the name itself it's kind of a different and unique name. It means um, like brave, powerful, or ruler. Um, and the name was so big because like you see so many companies usually either a person's last name, right? So like Olshin Gloves, Schneider Gloves, and and that you know whatever. Um, or in my opinion, it's some kind of corny. It's something like grind or drip or or something like, and like so. Um, Emery, the name means brave, powerful, or ruler. And then May seventh, two thousand nineteen, I had a daughter, 
and her name is Emery. So, um, man, she changed changed it all, puts things in perspective, gives you more motivation than you ever thought you had before. I was like, man, my, the, the name I've been searching for is right there all along. It's it's my daughter's name. Um, but I don't usually say that. It just happens to be a fact. Um, so when people see me and they see the name Emery tattooed all, all over my body a few times, like, man, you must really be into your business. I'm like, I know, man, I'm passionate. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, and then just, you know, the, the, the logo itself, I, by no means do I consider myself an artist, but I always had a very creative design side of me for a, for a jock. So certainly we just fit the design and then kind of came up with that, that three, uh, three lines just because of, you know, I love that there's three outs in baseball. I love that there's three strikes in baseball. It's something we talk about all the time when, when, the mental preparation of, hey, you know, how long, how many times have we heard, hey, you, you get three, right? Like, stay in there. Um, so I had some people help me out. We have an unbelievable graphic designer, a guy named Corn Fu. He's he's the uh, the the painter and and uh, graphics guy for Chandler Bats. He's he's hand painted some of the coolest coolest bats in the world. He's done some hand painted gloves for us. Um, the Chase Petty Zeus one that that. Uh, people really saw that he used his senior year before he got drafted. And, and uh, was that 2021 when Chase got drafted or 2020? 21. Yeah, 21. Um, so he did hand-painted Zeus gloves. So he kind of helped me with some of the graphic stuff and the logo and the branding. Um, and, and it started from there, you know. So it was kind of like some of my weirdo ideas that he kind of refined. And, and he came up with something that, people say is really clean and really crisp and they, and they like, you know, it's not too busy. Um, and go from there, you know, and then the pursuit mastery just kind of became the trademark and, and the slogan because um, it's just to, to practice constantly. It's, it's to surrender to, to finding out something that's better. It's to be intentional um, and, and just really commit to self-improvement and, and overall improvement every day of a product. And as a for a fielding glove, that's what I think it should be about. You need to have the respect for how hard it is to make these these gloves. They're they're pieces of art that can never be fully made by a machine. They have to be be man made to a certain extent. Um, so that constant improvement need, needs a lot of that humility and respect for it. Yeah. So as you kind of as you talk about you know starting the company, it sounds like you know you had a little bit of help there from your brother on the legal side. You talk about. We get a little help there on the graphic design side. Sounds like you also got a pretty cool sales guy as well. Um, so when it comes to you two getting connected, um, I guess kind of, again, how does that kind of come about? Again, I knew you guys were connected beforehand, but I guess whoever wants to take this part, I guess at what point does Mike kind of find his way into the company? What was his initial role? How's that evolved to where, he, where it's at today? Um, you know, again, either one of you guys could kind of take this, but um, I guess I think it was because I, I I annoyed the crap out of you long enough, Kev. That's that's how something like that. I mean, you you could probably answer that better than me from the internal side. You know, I I just thought it was something that, you know, I I do have some some skills in complementary areas that I thought it could, uh, you know, help the uh, the company grow. But uh, I think Kev can probably handle some of that question too. Well, I would say. It we've known, like Mike said before, we've known Mike for a long time. Um, my oldest brother is shoot, is he 45? I think my oldest brother's 45, my brother John's 43. Um, I'm 39, and Mike, you know, used to cover us in sports, and and then we stayed connected through the game and stayed connected as friends. And um, he he's a guy that first and foremost I just had so much respect for as a baseball person, but more more importantly, just as a person, right? Like I respected his his intelligence, the way he went about things, um, the way he treated people, the way he created relationships, and then from the business side of things, like if you start a business, if you're a head coach, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with, right? And and yeah, like you know, wins and losses go next to my brother's name for the Blue Jays or, or my name when I was a college coach, but your staff is everything, you know? And, and I knew that I needed somebody that could help me in the areas that um, I struggled in or, or what was better than. And to me, that was, that was Mike. 
Um, I knew his skill set. I knew the way he went about things. I thought it was a perfect match. You know, we, we have a head craftsman, a guy named Marcus, uh, uh, goes by G, um, who's in Tennessee, who's, who's really unbelievable. He's absolutely unbelievable with the gloves um, and what he can do, you know, with leather. And, and he's just a true, true craftsman and artist. And then I knew for me, I was, you know, the founder, baseball guy, like I said, almost baseball creative design guy. And then Mike was, was that final piece. I refer to him as the brains, right? But that final piece to really bring it all together, you know, I we always joke around, we're like, hey, you're the one with the Northwestern, right? Like, you, you got to figure this out. Smart. I have no choice. That's right. I have yeah. to be the brains. So, uh, so, so he was really just the final piece to to the puzzle in my mind to bring it all together to kind of create our dream team um but at the end of the day like everything else it was out of the the respect and appreciation of what he does just the entire time i've known him which is shoot at this point over 20 years it's, it's cool to be you know i'm at the point where like to me i i'd rather be in the background and 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 help elevate and push talented people forward. So, you know, creative people, you usually either one or one or the other, you're either really creative or, or really organized. Um, and so I don't mind holding down the, the grounded role either, you know, and, and making sure we stay on track with uh, certain things. And, you know, I, I think it's funny because I was a recruiter for a long time and I was always, you know, when, when I said corporate world, I was, you know, executive search and things. I was always fascinated by the the business development roles. It was because it was always like, you know, the blend of the the people with these like the the the, the really strong technical or creative knowledge. Right. Like like these were geniuses that that could come up with all these ideas and marry that with like well, all right, we still got to make money. You know, if you're not a business, you got these great ideas, but if you're not making money, you're not going to be around long enough to implement them. So th these these business development people had to be like the the kind of combination of, of the two where they had, they weren't technical experts, but they had enough technical sense to know what was, would be really, you know, cool. And then enough business sense to be aware of you know taking those things to to help them get to market so that's always been a a, a cooler or fascinating role for me and you know something i, I always try, I'm, I'm i'm always trying to get better at but but that's kind of where you know i want to uh, position myself to help kevin and 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 g and 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 the company grow Okay, so you guys talk about that dream team mike you kind of talk about that business growth that kind of came on when you know you kind of came on board as you guys continue to grow as a company, again, you know, I'm seeing you guys with, you know, I've seen something with Flatty Jr. You talk about Chase Petty, all these different things. As you guys continue to grow, I mean, has there been conversations about, you know, adding other members to the staff kind of when you are potentially hiring other people? What are you looking for within a, within a, you know, a potential new team member? What exactly does that look like with the growth of uh, Emory Glove Company? Yeah. It starts and ends with like, with authenticity and people who want to be in it for the right reasons. Um, you know, actions speak louder than words in, in the glove business. There's a lot of companies who have people involved simply by saying, Hey, we'll pay you X amount of dollars to wear a glove. Um, through every relationship that we've built and, and we've added on, it's been, Hey, here's where we're at. Here's where we want to be. And do you want to be a part of it? And, and how, right? Or, or if someone reached out to me or us and wants to be a part of it, it's asking them why and what they think they can bring to the table. Um, so, you know, G was somebody who who I knew and respected from the glove world. Once I got to know him, man, it was a no-brainer, right? It was a guy that that I, I knew brought so much value and had to be a part of the team. He's one of the best gloves, glove craftsmen, in my opinion, the best glove craftsmen in the United States, in the country. Um, and then, you know, Mike, we've talked about our relationship. The unique part has been the players, right? The unique part has been the players. Like, a, like a, I was going to say, you know, a, a kid like Chase Petty, even though he's one of the top prospects in baseball. Um, 
you know, yeah, yeah, you you see the that seventeen year old who throws a hundred. You see the you know the swagged out, you know, good looking kid from Jersey, whatever it is. But when I first talked to Chase and kind of and told him about the gloves and whatnot, I just I loved him as a person. I loved him as a kid. I loved what he was about. I loved his thought process, like as a coach. Where so when I said, "Man, is this somebody who could represent the brand the right way?" It was more than just the fact that he threw a hundred. Um, it was who he was as a person. Um, Nick Castellanos, same thing, right? And and, and Nick's an MLB All Star. He's he's one of the best players in the world. When we met Nick, Nick was, you know, using one of the biggest glove companies in the world. He had all the biggest stuff. And we basically, we, uh, our head craftsman, G and I met with him and we said, hey, we can give you a better product. And he was like, show me. And we showed it to him. We, we, we um, showed him what we wanted to do as far as custom hand fitting his his glove and his hand stall, which is now a process that we call True Fit. And he did it and was just like, I'm in. And he, again, he believed it just through our conversations. We, we, these people are, you know, Nick's famous. He's a celebrity, right? He's a star. But he's just, he's a normal person, right? Like, even my brother John. My brother John's one of 30 people on planet Earth who has a job. He's my brother, right? So when you can have the conversations and have people authentically buy in, like, Nick was 100% bought it. Nick wasn't like, how much money are you going to pay me? How much... Same thing with Chase, how much, you know, this and that. It was just, hey, man, I'm in. I believe the quality's there, and I want to grow this with you guys. Um, what can I do to help? How can we grow this together? Maybe we've added guys like like Devin Smelser, another Jersey guy, um, went to Bishop Eustis, is currently with the Marlins. <clears throat> Jaden Hill, um, uh, second rounder in, in 2020, you know, was arguably going to be the first overall pick out of LSU before he had Tommy John. So that's kind of what we look at when we add people new. It's who they are as a person. Are they bought into the bigger picture, which is the overall growth and pursuit of mastery of this thing, of, of making it as as big uh, as we possibly can. But, you know, quality, quality over quantity. And then what's going to be their role? What's going to be their the way they, they could contribute? Because it's, it's kind of like a coaching staff, right? If you have a head coach, but then you have specialists in certain areas. You have a pitching coach, a hitting coach you know, a, a, a sports performance trainer, a trainer, whatever it is, that all bring their individual skill sets to make one overall great team. So anybody who wants to be a part of it, it's the conversation of who they authentically are and what they can bring to the table and if they're, they believe in, in the, the overall goal and greater good. So as, as you talk about the pro guys that you guys have there along with Emery, I know you said we were talking about Chase Petty. He was going through his high school season, had a pretty cool designed glove. I'm assuming that was either from you or G who designed that. Um, another thing, you know, as, as I was doing a little bit of research, saw that you had a little thing going on with uh, Vladdy Jr. in terms of like a design. I think it was him and his dad at an all-star game. Um, it seems like that was a pretty cool experience for you to go on. And you, you guys got to meet, you know, some pretty cool people in the baseball world there. Um, kind of take us through that, you know, the Vladdy Jr. experience, what kind of goes into that glove uh, design process when it comes to those, you know, customized stuff. Um, can you kind of take us through that experience and, uh, you know, that process? Yeah, man, like the, the Vladdy Jr. is one of the coolest experiences of my of my life because the glove ended up like going viral, right? Like the glove ended up, like Major League Baseball posted it on the day of the All-Star game. And he had the glove on MLB Network all day, the day of the All-Star game. And um, it it exploded everywhere, and then it was making it even cooler. He won the MVP of the All Star game that day. Um, so that was you know I've I've had the 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 fortunate um you know fortunate to to meet Vladdy a number for a number of years and you know get to know him through my brother John. My brother John's I believe he's the only coach Vladdy's ever had um, since he was since he was sixteen years old in the minors all the way up to in the big leagues today. So they are extremely, extremely close. Um, so I kind of had the idea of wanting to do a really cool glove for him that I presented to my brother who presented to him. And at the time, I didn't really know the whole process of, of being able to print a picture on leather. Um, and again, it was more just, hey, I got to figure this out. And, and, and there was trial and error and whatnot. Then once I was able to do it, like, oh man, this is 
this is incredible. Um, we were going to have the Chase Petty Zeus glove was was hand painted by James Cornette, who goes goes by Cornfoo. Um, I was going to have him do a hand painted picture of that that iconic picture of Vladdy and Vladdy Senior's dad, where Vladdy's three years old. Then once I was able to to print it on leather, um, it just it just was was really cool. We, we made ten of the gloves. Um, one went to him that he still uses today. He uses it in pregame all the time. Um, one was to his dad, and then we had eight others that Flatty was gracious enough to sign for us, and we've used them for donations or charities and things like that. Uh, so it was awesome, man, that it went, went as viral as it did. Um, it's just such an iconic picture, right? You're talking about a Hall of Fame player and, and his dad and and him who's on Hall of Fame Highway at three years old on the same field. Um, so that was just something I wanted to do that that I thought was cool. And and it took off. And I think that's what it's about, man. If you just want to do something authentically like that you think is cool and right, um, that's when people take notice. And, and I think good things happen. If you try to force it, if you make it about you, um, you know, for me, it was just I wanted to be for, for Vladdy. It was a gift for him because the All-Star game is a cool weekend. And then as soon as people saw it, everyone was like, what the hell is that? And then, you know, next thing I know, I'm watching MLB Network and Vladdy's on there with <clears throat> Pedro Martinez and Howard Reynolds and, and all these pro guys, like, holding this glove up, like, holy cow, look at this thing. And I'm just watching at home, just like, what is going on? My phone is blowing up. And everyone's like, then Major League Baseball tweeted it. And I was like, what the? Major League Baseball tagged us in it. And I'm like, DM it with Major League Baseball. Like, they're like, can we use this? Everyone, I'm like, this is crazy. So, it was just really, really cool. Um, that that glove, um, the stuff with Chase, and then you know, to date, watching Castellanos, who's who's become one of my good friends, do his thing in game man and become a good defender. Um, it's just crazy, still, you know. And and Nick, now I'm Nick. Nick used last year. We made his batting gloves, his protective gear, his wristbands, all his stuff. And it's just, I think the future is, you know, endless with, with a guy like him. And the cool thing is always, hey, I'm not just going to wear your stuff because I'm your friend. I'm not going to do you a favor. It's you got to make this the best, you know. So I think I had to sample batting gloves for Nick about, I don't know, <laughs> hundreds of pairs of batting gloves. And again, same thing, testing leather, testing leather, testing the straps, testing, you know. They want to see, all right, this is good. So he's the best man. He he he's as as authentic and and humble and and caring and and unique as it gets as a guy who's a big leaguer on on that stage. So we're just I just feel I just not according to cliche, but man, we just feel blessed and fortunate to work with those guys. Mm -hmm. And as we talk about all the, you know, all the pro guys that you guys are working with talking about that publicity, let's kind of go ahead and move into the marketing side here just for a little bit. I know we're kind of running a little short on time, but, you know, having some of those pro guys along, um, I guess, how does that help you guys as a company um, kind of take us through that? Maybe how you guys are kind of working on the marketing side, some things that have worked, maybe some things along the, you know, these past couple of years that haven't take us through, you know, having some of those pro guys, how that helps and maybe some other things that you guys are working on the marketing side. Yeah, I mean, look, pro, pro guys are what everybody sees, right? Pro guys are what everybody sees that the younger kids want to want to be like and whatnot. So it's nice having them them do that. Um, marketing, you know, I don't think I'm a marketing e e expert. I, I look to to Mike and our team to kind of have conversations of say, hey, what do we think is going to work? What do you think is cool? What do you think is is, is different? Is new? Um, and it's a little bit of trial and error, uh, but but for these younger guys, I think we have catered to the the higher level high school player, high school and college player, because they maybe watch the pro guys the most, and and they see they've seen that, and then they've gotten the gloves. So we've been fortunate to work with a lot of really high level um, high school guys that are power five schools and colleges all over the country. Um, but then youth guys as well. I think I would say that's one of our biggest things we want to get into this year is developing a really high quality youth glove um, for younger players that has the right combination of quality in the in the product, but also a cool factor. Um, 
we have Nick Castellanos, who's, who's famous in his own right. But then there's a maybe a more famous Castellanos, Liam, his son, who's, uh, I believe, still 10, maybe he's 11. But, man, he, he's almost got more TV time than Nick. So we're, we're working on a youth model with him that, that he can kind of be the face of for that. So um, marketing, again, I think it's just about authentically wanting to put out good stuff and people can see and feel that. That's my number one marketing strategy is trying to authentically do what's right and have people feel that. Um, but then looking to Mike uh, of getting his opinion on things, um, looking to G to get his opinion and respect perspective on things as far as the craftsmanship of the materials and quality of the, the patterns and things like that. Um, and continue to put it out there and say, you know, with the true fit club we did with Nick, I, I always said as a coach, like, Hey, it's not the, it's not the weapon. It's the warrior. Um, but then it became, well, what if we can give the warrior a better weapon, right? Like what if we could give that really good warrior a better weapon? How good could it be then? So that's kind of the thought process of, yeah, it's going to be cool. It's going to be, this and that, but it's also going to be better. So that's what I would say marketing wise. Um, you know, as we kind of talk about the marketing, let's kind of go ahead and transition to the actual product itself. Again, you talk about how, you know, whenever you're doing something, whether that's the gloves, the batting gloves, the whatever, you want to make sure it's the best possible thing. And obviously that's the way, reason you guys have, you know, grown so much as a company. Let's kind of dig into, you know, as I was looking through last night, I see you guys have, was it Diamond Series, Emerald Series, Topaz Series, um, kind of give us the rundown on, you know, how those series differ, what exactly each of those things are. And then again, I know there's U.S. and Japanese kit that go along with some of those uh, series as well. So maybe give us, you know, how, how those two differ as well. Um, kind of give us just the rundown of what exactly the product is and what kind of goes into that. Yeah, so the the three uh, series we have, Diamond is Japanese kit, um, Emerald is U.S. kit, and then the Topaz is more of a youth youth cowhide, uh, cowhide leather. Um, and really just qualities of leather is the best way that I, I've talked about it with people is honestly looking, I don't know if you, you're a steak fan. It's looking at steaks, right? It's looking at that beef and, and meat of, of a cow and, and, uh, where they're from and how they're raised and things like that. That's what leather is. Um, so Japan, Japanese kip kind of being the, the most sought after highest, uh, highest grade of leather it's it, it's going to be it's going to be thinner it's going to be a little buttier butterier um softer but still have the stiffness and structure at the same time um and then us kept going down you know a little bit thicker from there and, and not as soft to the touch and a, a little bit different um so everything for, for me like i said it, it's more if you compare i know i always hear like uh a5 wagyu steak right and the way it's aged or the way it's raised compared to you know new york strip you buy at your local your local uh acme or supermarket um so that's where japanese kip is kind of the top dog right now um it is personal preference right there are some guys who like a steer hide or american kip or you know four wings really sought after leather um but that's kind of the top dog. U.S. Kipper steer hide is usually in the in the, in, the, in the middle there, and then cow hide is what you see typically on like youth gloves, just because they're much softer, so they're they're easier for for a player to squeeze. Um, you know, you get to that Japanese kip. It's it's super stiff. It's stiff for a reason, and and you know, younger kids can actually squeeze it and don't have the strength yet there. But um, that's where we rely really really heavily on G to 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 test these things and 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 uh, go back and forth and, you know, touch and feel things. You know, he lives in Tennessee, um, which is where the Tennessee Tanning Company, where we get our laces from. So he's right there where he can go to the tannery and, and actually touch and feel our, our our products. And, you know, there's sometimes that doesn't come out as good and sometimes that it comes out better than expected. So every glove is different in its own right. And that's kind of what makes it you know, part of that art as well. All right. So, you know, as we do end this off, I know you guys got to hop off and you guys got some, you know, important meetings going on or something like that, you know, after you hop off this. But, you know, kind of looking ahead to the future, I guess this could be a question for both you guys here. Um, you look ahead to this upcoming season, maybe seasons beyond that as well, up to a couple of years. 
kind of take us through maybe where, maybe some goals that you have for the company, maybe a vision you have for it as well. Just looking ahead, where do you kind of see this thing going? I've said one, I've said this from the beginning. Um, we're always going to be about fielding gloves first. But um, that's going to be our specialty. That's, you know, the lane we need to stay in. I personally think baseball culture, baseball style, and things like that is the furthest down in, in the major markets. Um, basketball, football, probably a bunch of other sports than baseball. And in my opinion, these athletes, these baseball players, they're into fashion, they're into design, they're into music, they're into art. And I want to create a brand that can cover all aspects of it, where it's not just a baseball brand. And I want—I don't want to say the, the phrase lifestyle brand because everybody uses it and it's corny. Right? I don't want to create a lifestyle brand. Like, we're not about that. But can we make things that go into other products? That's where I, I think it is. Um, but it's got to be done correctly, uh, quality over quantity, one at a time. And the next thing that we that we re release, which will be batting gloves, we're going to be able to say, we didn't just design batting gloves and make them. We've tested these batting gloves for two years. We had a major league all-star wear them for 162 game season and, the, and, and then the playoffs. He wore them when he ran the bases. Um, he didn't put on a sliding mid or anything else like that, right? Like, so when we release batting gloves, it's going to be extremely intentional through research and development, not just, hey, we put our logo on a pair of batting gloves. Um, so I think it's slowly but surely adding things when they're ready while staying in our lane. Um, and then for me personally, and Mike hates this, but I, I, on, on the side, I like adding in some, some fashion and culture stuff, you know. Uh, I, I, one of my proudest moments was Nick was Castellanos wearing his a suede Emery hat that I made to, to his nice dinner that he went out to to celebrate his 10 years of, serve, of Major League Service. I was like, I made it. He wore an Emery hat just out because it's cool, right? And he wore some Emery shirts to to and from, like, the the – the field that the Phillies posted and got, you know, photographed and Liam wears them, stuff like that. Chase wears them. So a little bit of that, but we got to stay in our lane. We got to stay in our lane. Okay. All right. Mike, you have anything to add? Yeah, for, for me, it's, it's, it's pretty simple because I'm not the, the glove expert here, but it's, it was a rewarding first year in seeing so many people put on the gloves and love the product and say, wow, these gloves are amazing. Or these gloves do the, you know, I didn't realize the gloves were so damn good, um, you know, or, or whatever, you know, and, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about people who've been in the game for years. So for me, the, the goal is to continue to try to find ways to make more people aware or help us get to opportunities where, more people are going to see or feel or whatever because they're great gloves and I, i'm confident that all the other things that we do will be great as well but it's just a matter of like awareness and and understanding and and like these are gloves you've got when when you're looking for a glove you know who else is going to do two years of free relays for you if you need it or two years of you know whatever uh, something rips or a web rips or something like that not only are they great gloves but we back them like nobody else does so to continue to find those opportunities that's what my number one goal is okay all right they, I, I believe you kind of hit on that uh, that diamond service plan there a little bit that i did want to touch on but again i know you guys got to go but um again guys that's the final question here for you guys on the jcare podcast I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. You know, it was great meeting you guys. It was great learning everything about Emory Glove Company and, you know, kind of seeing the behind the scenes of everything I'm seeing on social media. But, you know, as you guys go through this, you know, this this upcoming season, go through the years coming as well. You guys release those batting gloves, stuff like that. Um, Again, I'll be following, doing wish you guys the best of luck, you know, throughout those processes as well. Uh, but again, just appreciate you guys coming on the show. Love your hustle, Jason. Every time you pump out another podcast with a, 2026 or 25 Emory user. We love those too. So uh, we love seeing how many of those guys are crossover uh, Emory users.
Yeah, man. It really appreciate you having us on, Jace, man. Lo love what you're doing. Um, the only thing I would say is I think you gotta have have video so you can show off that uh that mullet you got working. If, uh, if, it, it was if, a little if, bit better a couple of days ago. I just uh, had had to get it cut, but uh yeah. um was sweating too much when I when I was when I was uh, working out. I had to had to had to trip trim it up a little bit, but uh <laughs> Great uh, stuff, brother. I, I really, I really appreciate your time and what you're doing is awesome, man. It's, it, it's, it's really, really cool to see.